turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 8. That's where we are as we are traveling through the book of Revelation. And let's stand and let's read. And as we read this, I want you to think about what are these things as God starts to bring his judgment upon this world? What are these things doing to our hearts? Because they got to be doing something to us. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and said to them, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it, please notice, with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth, and there were noises. There was thunderings. There was lightnings and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound, as there's been this brief silence, and then these noises happen. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. Could you imagine? And they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, which means bitter. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. And I looked as we listen, as we read, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, because God has a heart for the lost people like we should, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. And Father, as we turn our hearts to your word, Lord, we want to hear your heart. Lord, we want to see what you want us to see. Lord, we want to see more than just principles, facts. Lord, we need you to touch our hearts that we might be changed. 
So Lord, bless our time in your word here this morning in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The, the title of my message this morning is, How Has Our Travel Through the Book of Revelation Hit Your Heart? How has it hit your heart? It's got to hit your heart somehow. It's got to impact your life some way. Because if God is going to say, whoa, 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 before literally all hell breaks loose, and he's saying that because he cares about the people. So how does that impact us? See, if we go through this book and end up with facts and figures and charts and graphs, and, and, and all of that is stuck in our mind, but we don't allow the Spirit of God to awaken something in us to what awaits mankind, to where we desperately want to abide in Jesus and bear much fruit that the lost around us might be found. If we miss all of that, then we've missed the point of this book. Because if you need to, go back to chapter 1, verse 1. It's the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ team. And we all know how Jesus was. We get to see the end before it happens. You know that jerk at work? You keep on loving, you keep on praying as God uses that jerk at work to change who? You. So you don't give up. Because you're going to love them regardless, plus you see the end of the movie here. As you and I look at what awaits lost mankind, we all need our hearts broken for sinners like Jesus' heart was. You know, the, the people love to be around Jesus. He was accused of being a friend of sinners. When's the last time we got around sinners? I know there's been seasons in my life where I never got around sinners for years. Too busy. But our hearts need to be broken for the sinners. This is what awaits them. See, I don't think God writes this so the sinner will repent so he doesn't like, have a burning mountain fall on top of him. I, don't, I think that's written for you and me. The Bible I read, it says that the kindness of God draws people to repentance. You know, the, your season of life on this earth is short, just like Jesus knew his season on this life was short. And as Jesus made the most of his time, you and I, we want to make the most of our time as well. You know, Jesus had a deep concern for the souls of lost men and women. He's our example. Certainly Jesus had a loose touch on the things of the world. Hey, I don't even have a place to lay down my head is, is what he said. So we should have a loose touch because the things are all going to get burned up. We're going to see it as we go through here. You know, Jesus said you should send your treasures ahead. I add so the Antichrist doesn't get them. Team, it all plays out right here. God's final acts on this earth, it's going to happen because, well, first of all, Jesus said it's going to happen. And there has to be heart change and not just fact gathering or timelines or, well, this happens first and then this happens. 
So there's got to be something way greater and way deeper. Jesus is fully in charge of the events as we travel down through the judgments of God. He's already told his disciples that he's the one in charge. We find it first in John chapter 5, verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. John wrote of that as he heard Jesus speak that. And then it gets pushed into the book of Acts. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it's Jesus who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. It's going to happen. And then we see Paul quote, requoting it in Acts 17, 31, because he, was a, he has appointed, because he, Jesus, has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by he who was ordained. So even though Jesus will be judged, he loves you. He does. We've got to understand. He does not want to be your judge in a bad way. He wants to be your Lord and Savior and a judge in a good way where you come to the Bema seat and you are rewarded for the things that you've done on this earth. That's what he wants to do. However, if you fight against God, if you continue to fight against the forces of heaven, if you work hard enough, you, he'll give you your way. But I don't think God wants anybody that way. Today's the day of grace and mercy. Today's the day where we can receive love for the one who one day will judge those who said no thank you. I think it's important we all remember this, not only for ourselves, but for the lost around us. It's got to impact our hearts some way. It can't be, yeah, they're going to get what they're going to get. Yeah, this chapter 8, it's for you. Or chapter 16, yeah. no, Man, it can't be that way. It's got to be different. It's got to be the way Jesus would see it. Verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, because the other six were open in chapter 6, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. So if you want a great trivia fact, the only place that there's silence in heaven, it's right here. It's only recorded time right here. Now, it's not nap time. It's not. The four living creatures who don't rest day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come, they're silent for 30 minutes. The 24 elders who follow the four living creatures who cry out, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your hand they exist and were created. They've become quiet. The rest of us who have been raptured off this earth to meet our fellow brothers and sisters who went before us and have been praising our Jesus, we cease singing and we become quiet. All of those who have been beheaded for their testimony during the start of the tribulation period, remember they're crying out, how long until you get even? Oh, they become quiet. The only people who are not quiet are Bible commentator writers. They seem to have all these opinions here about what happens during this 30 minutes in quiet, of quietness in heaven. Can't we just call it what it is? It's 30 minutes of quiet. Wow, that's complicated. <laughs> hey, but, but for us, see, we, for where we live, we could call it the calm or the quiet before the storm. 
the different hurricanes that we've been in. Many of us have lived through them rather than take our chances on the highways and leave. And they're all the same. There's the two to three day warning. Everything is calm except the grocery store. Don't even think about going in there. You know, kids are outside playing. Everybody's kind of in denial what's coming. And then as the storm bears down, all of a sudden you go, where did everybody go? They've all moved inside. Then the winds hit, start. Then the rain. Then the lightning. Then the, then, the, then the power outages. Then the trees start snapping, and there's lots of praying, I'm sure. Well, that's how it's going to be in the book of Revelation. There's the warning. And so you and I, we reason with people. I remember the first time, I, I'd been a brand new believer for like a week, and I remember at Christmas Eve of December of 2000, or of uh, December of 1983, Christmas Eve, and I remember sharing with my family that Jesus is coming back. They thought I was cuckoo. He's coming back. You and I, we want to reason with people to avoid the pending storm. The, God marks his 144,000 to warn the earth dwellers that this, this storm that is going to bear down on them and to turn to Jesus. And then there's this calm as people are marrying and partying and having a, a good time, not even recognizing what's coming, failing to realize that God's pending storm of judgment is upon them and billions of people are going to be killed from God's judgment. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Trumpets have always been a sound of a call to action. I see the same thing here. Please know that with every passing seal, where we started on seal one, and with every passing trumpet, and when we get into the bowls and the vials, with every passing bowl and vial, the judgment of God becomes a little harder and a little harder and a little harder until, boom, we hear the words, it's done. It's like God starts with a very small judgment because he wants mankind to be, repent. He sends this angel, whoa, 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 why? Because he wants mankind to repent. In Revelation 14, there's an angel that goes across the whole world preaching the gospel. Another one saying, don't take the mark of the beast. Why? Because he wants mankind to get it right. He loves them. He, he had his son die for them. I mean, it's like God's trying to wake people up. We know he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. It's kind of like snow up in the mountains. I don't know if you've ever been up there. It breaks off. It starts really small. But as it starts to slide down the mountain, it becomes an avalanche. And it literally wipes out everything in its path. Trees, rocks, people. It takes everything with it. That's what's going to happen. It's going to start really small. We find this same warning in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. You know, I don't know because I never experienced it, but I was there when our kids were born, and I remember watching the little meter. They said, look, you watch this little meter, and when it starts to move, you can tell your wife a contraction is coming, and it'll tell you how big it was and how long it lasted. And Okay, I can do that. And they started out light. Light to me. <laughs> but they kept getting harder and harder and closer and closer together. That's what it's going to be like here as we travel through this book. 
When we get to this, to, to the seven seals or the, or sorry, the seven vials or the seven bowls, depending on what it reads in your Bible translation, they're going to go boom, 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 done. Because God's given them time to repent. For now, though, the seals are off. The scroll has now been opened. There's been this silence in heaven. The seven angels with their seven trumpets are ready to sound the next wave of judgment. I mean, there's there's, they're silent, but it seems like they're positioning, getting ready to, to, to send this next wave of judgment on this Christ-rejecting world. But, verse 3, it's almost like we reset for a moment. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with. Please take notice of that. So this angel is coming, going to offer this incense, and the smoke's going to ascend up, but he's going to offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altars, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. We've all been around a campfire before, and besides the smoke getting in your eyes, where does the smoke always go? Always goes up. Well, that's what's happening here. You and I need to not only know by fact and know by experience, you need to know in the deepest recesses of your heart and by God's truth here that your prayers when you pray on this earth, man, they ascend up to the Father. It seems like he's collecting them here. Look at how this reads. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. Those are yours. Those are ours. Those are our prayers. They ascend them before God from the angel's hand. You know, the best way to pray is always according to God's will, and the best way to know God's will is to, to know God's word. And here they are. They, they, they're here, and those prayers are going to ascend right up into heaven when we see here in verse 4. You know, God delights in the fragrance of your prayers, church. It's a throne of grace as we approach when we pray, and we get to see right here our prayers drift right up into his presence. So, team, be real with God. Don't cover things up. Don't blame someone else for what's going on in your life. Allow God to change you. Allow your prayers to become this sweet-smelling fragrant of incense to him. It's beautiful. Send him up, team. Pray. Expect our God to answer. We see here he receives them. So before the final act of judgment, before this God moves forward here, we see our prayers ascending to our Father in heaven. I like the picture. Silence. So I wonder what these prayers are. It doesn't say. Does he save all of those that we've prayed for before he cranks up the judgment one more time? I don't know. I do know our prayers are before him, before he turns up the heat. You know, God loves communing with his children. He loves to have fellowship with you and me through prayer. Your prayers become this intimate communion where you get to spend time with him. He wants to receive them. Don't miss the look, your team. Your, char- your prayers can change the course of your neighborhood, your family, and your own life. And you and I, we can't change the course of anything that's going to last in our lives, but God can. 
Because as the church prays, it allows God to work. Here, I mean, here he is. He's going to do something, and we see this picture of our prayers, boom, right there, just before he does something. I like the picture. They drift up. And the angel took the censer, which would cause me to think, what censer? The same one that they just offered the incense with our prayers? I, I don't know. It seems like our prayers set in motion the next series of events. Maybe those prayers of, Lord Jesus, please come back. Come today. Maranatha. Maybe that's what God's collecting here. You know, Jesus said all the time, watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Be praying that you be found worthy. Maybe that's these prayers here. Sure looks like during this half hour of silence in heaven that God is listening to your prayers before he brings his judgment. And think of all those prayers prayed out around the world. Prayers like, Lord, I will keep on loving because you have called me to this. And so, Lord, I'm going to love. Lord, I want to be a good example and a good witness to you. Lord, I know the day is coming when you're going to judge, but Lord, I want to be that example for you. I mean, is that mixed in this group of prayers? Well, that day and hour and minute, it's, it's right here, it seems. So he took the censer. After our prayers ascended to the Father, whatever those prayers are, and he filled it with fire from the altar. And he threw it to the earth. And there were noises. I'm sure it was louder than loud Louder than the punk rock concert. Thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Call it the wake-up call. If the seals did not get your attention, certainly this must. It has to. As our prayers reach our Father with the smoke of the incense on the altar, He casts them down, it seems, mixed with judgment as He answers them. So it's like, what's going on here, God? I don't know. It's one of those questions I want to ask when we get there. Lord, you know what they're saying about me, so help me love them regardless. Are those types of prayers cast down? It seems they are. I mean, God's always going to get even for you if you allow him to get even. Father, help me to be a faithful witness to those who are going to kill me. I mean, you think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 as he's stoned and he's calling out to Jesus. He was just a table waiter. Serving the widows that were saying, hey, we didn't get enough potatoes like the other Jews did. Father, help me to be a faithful witness to those who are going to kill me. For your word declares vengeance is yours. I mean, are those types of prayers cast down as we see this censer filled with uh, a fire? It seems like they are to keep it in the book of Revelation. Look back at Revelation 6.10 under the altar, and here's these guys calling out, how long, O Lord, till you avenge us? It seems like those prayers are answered here. And then God acts. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Please notice that the seventh seal was not only a setup to the seven angels who are preparing themselves to sound, but again, it's a, it's a total act of divine mercy. 
God's wanting mankind to wake up. You got to see that. Because see, if you can see God wants mankind to wake up because God stalls, it, then you'll have that same heart towards the lost people today. Because God has that right up to the last minute before he kills them. Because we're going to see, in, well actually in chapter 9, that a third of mankind will be killed. And God's given them every chance to repent. Failing to turn, though, here they come. Verse 7, the first angel sounded and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. What does that look like? We've all seen hail falling from the sky. Anybody seen the fire? Only in the movie of uh, Ten Commandments. And it's mixed with blood? Fire, water, and blood. And the thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass, all of it was burned up. I mean, why would God destroy the trees? Are we supposed to hug them? A third of all those trees that produce fruit and those that give shade, and all the green grass is destroyed as judgment comes to the earth. What's interesting to me is if you look back at Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, where two billion people are going to be killed, part of them are going to be killed by the beast of the earth. I wonder if those beasts supplement some of their diet with grass or things, and now they're going to go, well, they're going to go looking for some other vitamins to supplement their Food intake. I'd imagine Mother Nature and the tree huggers will be sobbing heavily and on this day when the, the fly or the beetle or the toad or the butterfly or whatever those things are that were growing up in the, in the uh, trees that all of a sudden they're there, they tried to protect them, now they're all destroyed. You know, God has always called us to be ruling over his creation and not like it is today where the creation rules over us. And the big question is how, how is God going to bring this and the other parts of his judgment to this earth? How's he going to do it? Well, I guarantee you there's more answers than what we could all come up with. Nukes, asteroids, stars, planets, space junk. My personal favorite, something he creates. Something no one else has thought of. There are so many ideas on how God's going to do all this. Why can't we just say God does it? Why do we have to say, well, it's this, it's this star or this thing? Or why, why can't we say God does this? He, he creates it. Boom, throws it down. The thing we need to take note of, though, here is when these judgments hit the earth, those who are alive at this time, they know that this is the hand of God. They know. As we travel through this, they are, those who have rejected, they are going to know that God is bringing judgment to a Christ-rejecting world. They don't rationalize them away as natural disasters or Mother Nature, like on some of these weather channels. Well, Mother Nature must really be mad today. Uh, no. During this time, they are going to know these things are coming by the hand of God. 
Please keep in mind as John writes this, he writes this from 1900 plus years ago. So he only knows horses, chariots, donkeys, camels, maybe some weapons that they've made. He, he doesn't know anything about conventional weaponry or n- nothing like that. So he uses words like we see here in verse 8. Then the second angel sounded in something like, that's key, like. It wasn't a burning mountain, but something like a burning mountain with fire was thrown into the sea. What is that? I don't know. It's something like a burning mountain thrown into the sea. I mean, can't we kind of visualize what that looks like rather than trying to say, well, it was this thing or that thing? No, it was something like a burning great mountain thrown into the sea. Man, that's, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? A, a great mountain thrown into the sea? Okay, I got that. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. What? Really? So is that like red blood? Or you know how like sometimes those scabs, if you don't get them cleaned off, they turn, or the blood becomes what color? Black. Thank you. So does it dry up? Does it coagulate? And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. Yeah, no doubt. And a third of the ships were destroyed. Some believe this is just a Mediterranean Sea. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't see that. It could be. I think of all the ships that travel just to the Mediterranean Sea alone. I looked last night. We presently have 10 warships and a submarine in the Mediterranean Sea. Russia has a bunch too. Who knows who else? I'm sure China is poking some subs in there somewhere nobody knows about. So one sea, you can believe that. Every other place God pours out his judgment, he does it across the whole earth. So I don't see the one sea thing. Might be. What I do see, though, is this is ugly. Imagine the smell. Doesn't read like blood. No, it reads blood. See, the good news is, is God has provided everyone that will turn to him a ticket right now by the blood of Jesus to where you can escape this nightmare. But you got to turn to him. You got to turn to him today. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Mankind failing to wake up to the judgment of God here brings angel number three, verse 10. Then the angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven. What was it? It was a great star from heaven. What do you think that is? It says right here, a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. California, it seems, has always been in a drought. We're creating our own as we build more than what we have water for. Go to Africa, it's even worse. And when this great star falls from heaven, preserves, a third of the fresh water drinking supply around the globe is poison. You drink it, you die. You don't drink it, you die. You think they'll be complaining and corruption on this earth about a glass of water? Yeah, the black market's going to move from selling valuables to selling water. It's going to become a high-priced commodity. Wouldn't you think you would turn to Jesus and live when this happens? I mean, it's like, it's like 
Wouldn't you think like something would happen here in your heart? Remember when the Israelites were complaining against God and Moses for, hey, God, you brought us out here. We don't have any water. We don't have any food. So God sent fiery serpents to them and started biting them and killing them. So Moses goes in there, pleads with God, and God says, okay, Mo, do this. Get a pole, brass serpent, put it up on the hill, and everybody that turns to that serpent will live. I'd imagine too many didn't look up there and lift. I'm not looking up at no stupid serpent on a pole. That's dumb. You're going to die. Ah, that's dumb. Dead. I'd imagine that happened. Even though God had provided a way for them to be saved, I'd imagine too many chose not to look up. And that's exactly how it's going to be in the day of judgment here in Revelation. People just aren't going to get it because they don't want to get it. But today, people want to get it. Why do I know that? Because we're still here. Because God has us here. You think all these young people around here, thousands and tens of thousands of junior high and high school students, they have no clue. Unreached people group. They have no clue. They all think they're going to heaven because they're good. They have no clue. Jesus has struck the oceans, goodbye omega-3s, see you later seafood, at least over one-third of it. But that's okay, we got freshwater bass and trout. Then God strikes the freshwater supply. Wouldn't you look up and turn to Jesus at that point? And yet this is the person's fate that we're reading of that chooses not to turn to Jesus today. Church, We've got to understand that this stuff in these chapters, it's not for the non-believer to see, it's for God's kids to see. This has got to be to wake up our hearts and to wake up our minds. These, These chapters here are so we would be hot and on fire and not lukewarm. We read in Romans 2, the goodness of God leads you to repentance, not the judgment of God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, not judged us, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, not judged us. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. God accosted us, Because he loves us. He drew us to himself because of his grace and mercy. He he now wants you and I to be his ambassadors on this earth. You know, God doesn't delight to measure out his punishment. He will, but that's not his delight. You know, God would rather dish out mercy and grace upon the the lost today. So, church, church, think about it. Think about it. Think about these trumpets this week when you're getting your coffee someplace, when you're talking to your neighbors, when you're posting something on social media. The church has become so judgmental. Think about it before you post it. Is it judgmental or is it showing the love of Christ? I hope we all know that every aspect of God is present when you and I witness of God's great love to this lost world. It is there. It's all there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is all present when you and I share the gospel with someone. God's will is present to save. His Spirit is present to convict and to save. His words are there because He'll be on our lips as we open our mouths to speak them. 
They're there. Everything is there to complete a transaction in heaven. All that is left is for you and me to ask, look up and ask for boldness. God, give me boldness to speak. Boom. God does it every single time. I've said this many times before. I'm a big chicken. But when I look up and ask, God's more than willing. Because God doesn't delight in people to be lost. God's called us to go out and to preach the gospel. And you look up and God, you ask for the boldness of the Spirit of God to fall upon you that you might speak. Bam! God does it. This judgment stuff is for you and I, church. The reason I know that is because the non-believing world can't understand anything spiritual. We know from 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are takes spiritual discernment. So this is all for the church. It's for us to wake us up by her. Maybe you're right on the fence and you've never turned to Jesus. Well, maybe this is for you then. But this is the fate of those you work with, those you live with, those you live by. God has appointed some of them to salvation, but you'll never know who they are until you open your mouth and take that step of faith. You know, what are these judgments so far of God facing your unsaved family and friends do in your heart? They got to do something. They got to. And I... I'll give you two choices. It's going to soften. That's my prayer for us. Or it's going to harden. I hope this look stirs up a sense of urgency in our hearts. It's critical. Then the fourth angel sounded. And a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. As I read this, one-third of the day will be pitch black. One-third of the night that would normally have the moon and the stars, it's going to be super black as well. That only leaves one-third of the day as normal. But then that's consistent with the one-third in this chapter as the trumpets sound. Look what it says. A third of the green trees, a third of the oceans, a third of the living creatures, a third of the ships, a third of the fresh water supply, and now a, th- a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. Jesus said... These things are going to happen in Matthew 24, 29. So this is what's all going down. And as John is writing this, it says, Then I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven because God cares about lost people, saying with a loud voice, You ain't seen nothing yet. Bah, bah. No, it's not what he's saying here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. To the inhabitants of the earth. I mean, that's magnified, magnified out like crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. If you read ahead, and you should, you will discover why these whoa, whoa, whoa proclamations are here. And the remaining three blasts, trumpet blasts, one-third of all the remaining mankind will be killed. We're going to see it in chapter 9 next week. Another third. Remember Revelation 6, 8? We saw that power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Remember that? One-fourth. 
one-fourth of 7.6 billion people, rounded up to 8 billion for easy math. That means 2 billion people are killed. Back in chapter 6. It's at least 6 billion. And now when we get, when you, if, you know, before this, this whoa, 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 right after this, there's going to be another third of the population is going to be killed. A third of six billion is four billion. That's all that's left. Four billion. Almost, almost wiped out half. We haven't even got rolling yet. So call this angel flying through the midst of heaven another divine act of mercy before God heats things up. He doesn't want people to perish. But it's coming. It's going to happen. You know, as we wind our time down, I must ask us, before we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross in communion, as you look at the pending judgments, how does that affect your life today? How does it affect your heart? As we read of the future of mankind in chapter 8, are there any changes that we need to pray and ask God to make in our heart that we might be a faithful witness for him? I, I don't know. But I know God's called all of us to be a part of that. All of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. Not be an evangelist, but just do the work of an evangelist because this is what awaits the lost worlds. What are the judgments of God facing your Unsaved family, friends, and co-workers do in our hearts and minds. Man, it's got to do something. It's got to do something. I've been praying that we'd recognize what it is that God's wanting to do in our hearts as we travel through this book. It's got to do something. Father, we're thankful for what you want to do in our lives. And Lord, as 